0: I am in love with my life. Every day I wake up happy to be me, happy to get out of bed, happy to go to work, happy to spend time with my family. This book helped me get there and we all deserve to feel that way.
1: This is the One Thing Podcast where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. Have you ever been in a point in your life where you desperately want your situation to change. You are working so hard in areas of your life, but just feel like you're drowning. No matter how much action you take, you're overwhelmed and you just wished that you could get your life back. This is the story of the woman you are going to meet today. When she first discovered the one thing, she was at a really rough spot in her life. As a corporate attorney, she's always been super ambitious, very driven, very focused on her career and loved her career. And then she had her first child and suddenly found herself struggling to strike counterbalance between honoring her commitments as a partner in her firm and being present as a mom. Have you ever found yourself um, while you're at work feeling guilty? because you feel like you should be doing something for your family? And when you're at home, do you feel guilty because even though you're around your family, you feel guilty because you're checking email or you're thinking about work? This was this woman's reality. We're gonna walk you through what her life looked like, the one thing she started doing differently and how it truly has made everything else in her world easier or unnecessary. With that, let's get into this conversation with Casey Gosell.
2: When did you first come across The One Thing?
0: Well, I actually discovered the book uh, in the middle of January of 2017. It was, I can't remember the exact day, but I can tell you it was 2.30 in the morning. And I know this because I had just uh, nursed my daughter back to sleep, which was uh, sort of the norm back in those days. She was... about six months old at that point. And so I was lying in bed trying to fall back asleep and I was completely stressed out. Millions of things rushing through my head about the workday and everything else I had going on. And I did what I always do. And I reached for my Kindle in search of some kind of a distraction, something that would be mindless so that I could fall back to sleep. I turned to the uh, the free lending library on on uh, the Kindle and I saw it very quickly. Uh, it stuck out because it was, it was so simple and plain with the plain white cover and the simple black lettering. And I, I thought, well, that looks peaceful. I guess I'll read that. (laughs) 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 So I was hoping it was going to be really boring and put me to sleep is the honest truth. (laughs) What happened? Well, the opposite actually happened. I did not fall asleep. I, I read the book for about 30 minutes that It wasn't actually night. It was early morning. And something amazing happened. Um, I had been going through a really, really rough time. Uh, I gave birth to my daughter in uh, June of 2016, returned to work in September. Um, I'm a lawyer and um, I'm a corporate attorney uh, here in Northern New Jersey. And I went back to my legal practice full-time, guns blazing like nothing had ever changed. And I was completely overwhelmed with my my work life, and my home life for that matter. For the months leading up to me discovering the book, I had been working round the clock, crazy hours, never present, always reacting, letting my inbox dictate my day, all the things you shouldn't do, I was doing. Certainly the definition of a reactive life is the life that I was leading. And I had gotten to the point right around Christmas time that I had decided that I couldn't do it anymore. And I had pretty much decided I was going to quit my job. And I was really, really upset about it. I was having a hard time. It was causing me a lot of stress. I didn't want to quit my job. But you can't really quit being a mom. You can't quit being a wife. And I thought that quitting my job was the only way. So I was really in a bad spot coming into the early part of 2017. And I picked up this book, like I said, hoping, hoping to fall asleep. And instead, I felt hope. For the first time in four months since returning to work, I felt an emotion that I forgot existed. I felt hope. I felt like there was a chance that I could get my life back. I felt like there was a chance that I could get my life back now, (laughs) that I didn't have to wait for my daughter to get older. And I was just... I was so excited. It was 3 o'clock in the morning and I was so excited.
1: (laughs) Tell us more. I mean, there's so many people listening to us whether they're in this situation currently or they've been there where they just feel like they're drowning you know they are working so hard to keep their head above water and they just don't see a solution give, yeah. give us give us a better sense
0: yeah so i mean at that point in my life i you know I had a great career. Um, I had been working at my firm for about 10 years. I made partner the same month I found out I was pregnant. So Hmm. there's a lot going on. And um, during that time, I was very much a yes person. And I prided myself on being a yes person. I wanted to be the The answer to every solution. I wanted to be a people pleaser. I liked it. You know, it didn't matter what the question was. That was basically irrelevant. Uh, The answer was always yes. And I really thought that even after having a child, that I could continue to be that person. If I look back at my priorities during that time, work definitely came first, no question. My family came second. I came third um uh, and i was i was okay with um up until i had my daughter and i really was trying to maintain it and what i realized is it's impossible you can't be perfect and you can't be in more than one place at one time and so the problem that i was really struggling with is that i was in, i was incapable of being present so when i was in my office doing my job i was feeling guilty for not being home with my family. And when I was at home with my family, I was constantly checking my email, talking on the phone, worrying about work. And so it didn't really matter where I was. I wasn't where I needed to be. I wasn't in the moment. I wasn't present.
1: I want you to go back to that version of you. The version that struggled to be present. When you're at work, you're thinking about being at home. When you're at home, you're thinking about being at work. If you had to imagine that you didn't make a change, and you kept showing up in the world that way, constantly lacking presence, Mm -hmm. what do you think life would look like in five years?
0: Well, uh, I think I would have quit my job. I think I would have been resentful. I think I would have had a lot of regret. I would have ended up being a stay-at-home mom. And there is nothing wrong with being a stay-at-home mom. My sister's a stay-at-home mom. She's got four great kids. She loves her job. But... I went to college for eight years and my goal in life had always been to become a corporate attorney. And if I had to throw away all of my dreams because I couldn't figure out how to manage my life, I would be miserable. And I honestly think that this book saved me from that life. I had I had basically decided I was going to quit. I just was sort of putting it off because... I didn't want to do it. So I was dragging my feet. But I decided at Christmas time that I was going to quit. And two weeks later, I picked up this book and changed my whole world. So I'm incredibly grateful for that. You know, I I love my career. I love what I do. I love being a mom. And my life is so full now because I get to enjoy both. It's pretty wonderful.
1: Let's go down that journey. You read the book. you, You feel a sense of hope for the first time, what was the lead domino? What's the first thing that you did?
0: Oh, wow. So that's a great question. The first thing I did was wake up my husband and tell him how excited I was. (laughs) 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 Uh, He did not react very well, but uh, in all seriousness, the first thing that I did is I really focused on how I was spending my time. It was so crystal clear to me, even just reading the first... 30 minutes worth of pages of the book that um, I was not doing a good job allocating my time. And so I did a really deep dive into my calendar. And in my professional life, the way that I make money is 75% of my income comes from servicing my corporate clients. So billable hours. The other 25% of my time or my compensation comes from um, originating new business. So... What happened when I took a real clear look at my calendar is I realized that I was doing the exact opposite of what I needed to be doing. So I was spending the majority of my day outside of the office, networking, meeting with people, trying to originate new business, which left very little time for me to sit in my office at my desk, actually doing billable work for my clients. So that was pretty eye-opening for me.
1: So hold on, pause Pause there real quick. Yeah. Because this is this is something that a lot of people live. I mean, you're talking 75-25. That's basically 80-20. And I think right. if, we, if we followed around most of the people who are listening to this show, a lot of them, 80% of their day is spent on the things that only generate 20% of the results. And I'm hearing you say that when you looked at your calendar, 75% of your day was spent doing the things that only generated 25% of your comp. Exactly. So, with that extra... Does it mean that you just shut it down at 5 o'clock and, Oh, sorry, that's only as many billable hours as I could get for the day? Or did you have to make it up somewhere else?
0: Oh yeah, I mean back back at that time I was working all hours of the day. It was I mean I always had to leave by a certain time to pick up my daughter from daycare. My husband travels quite a bit so I had a lot of responsibility for transportation but yeah, I mean I would get home, spend a couple of hours with her, put her to bed and then I'd work into the middle of the night because I had to make
1: it up somehow. I'm just trying to put myself in your shoes, Casey. It was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't sound like you're sleeping. It's never ending. The days just completely blend together. Absolutely. No wonder you felt overwhelmed.
0: Yeah. I was exhausted. I was burnt out. Mm -hmm. Hopeless. I felt hopeless.
1: You have this aha. You look at your calendar and ask, what does it tell me about how I've been investing my time? And you realize that the majority of your time was being spent in the things that delivered the minority of the results. When right. you realized that, what's the one thing you started doing? Well, I
0: was excited because I found a problem. So now I could try and fix it. So that was great. And I did something radically different than I'd ever done before. I started using a word that I had never used before. Two little letters, the hardest word in the English language to say. No. I started saying No. I can't describe to you how difficult this was for me and continues to be to this day, but it was so powerful. So the first thing that I did is I realized that I had 17 reoccurring monthly meetings that ended up in my calendar monthly on automatic. And I got rid of all of them. So they were like committee meetings and board meetings and networking things that happened every single month on a regular basis. I removed myself from all of them. What a relief that was. So that freed up about 20 to 25 hours in my month, which was awesome. And then I just continued to say no. I really protected my time. And I got really, really clear on the fact that I needed to serve my clients. And that was what I was going to focus on. So if it wasn't a client meeting, the answer was no. And after I did that, I made a bunch of rules for myself and I actually color-coded my calendar. So green was billable time and black was networking. Red was meetings that was neither billable nor networking. The worst kind of meeting, things like department meetings. Uh, Red, so I should avoid those. Um, Personal time was purple. And then I had a side business I was working on on the weekends, which was yellow. And I made rules for my calendar so I could have an unlimited amount of green meetings in a day, but I could only ever have one non-billable meeting in a day. And uh, I found that if I stuck to my rules, I was able to maintain complete control of my day and uh, my productivity went
1: through the roof. So let's let's dive in there because this this is the gold. You said <laughs> that you had 17 reoccurring monthly meetings that totaled up to 25 hours a month That Technically, it just wasn't a good investment of your time. Yeah. What did it look like to remove yourself from 17 different meetings? Was it an in-person conversation? Was it an email? How did you approach it? Because a lot of people, this is where they struggle. They go, Oh yeah, I know I have those meetings, but they don't know how to say no.
0: Yeah. So I actually did it in two stages. I got rid of 17 meetings in in two different steps. I picked the ones that I didn't think were important at all. And I sent out an email to every single one of those you know meeting people in charge all at the same time. In fact, I crafted one email, and I sent it with uh, BCC all to the same people and I blamed it on my daughter, and I didn't feel guilty doing that. you know I've said i'm still adjusting to be- being a new mom, and I need to take a break from all my extra commitments and uh, you know I'm sure I-, I look forward to revisiting this in the future. It was something like that. So I left it sort of open-ended, like, I need a break, but you know we'll talk again later. And it felt so good that about two weeks later, I got rid of the rest of them using that same email.
1: Real quick, when you sent that initial email out, how many people pushed back on you and said, Oh, no, but you have to. Let's find a way.
0: A zero. None of them. In fact, I had people respond like, Good for you. I'm glad you're taking care of yourself things like that. People were like, not only did they not care that I removed myself, but they encouraged me to you know, take care of my time. And I really, really appreciated that. I wish I had done it sooner.
1: So what I'm hearing for for everybody who's listening to this, who does not have a newborn child uh, and can't use that as an excuse, is to basically, you, you said that there was something going on in your life that required your focus and attention. And maybe you don't even have to be that specific. But to say it's 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 requiring my attention, and I'm going to have to I'm going to have to remove myself from these things. I'd love to readdress this in the future.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I actually just had this come up last week because I was asked to join um, a committee for an organization that I'm a part of, and they sent me this really long email, and they actually invited both me and my husband to join this committee. And I went home that night and I talked to my husband, and I was like, I really just don't want to do it, and he's like. No, the answer is no. So I sent an email. I couldn't use my newborn as an excuse this time, and I just said, "I'm really, I'm focusing on some other things at work, and I'm not going to be able to commit to you at this time." And that's all I said. It was kind of generic, and they just said, "Okay, thanks," and that was that. So
1: yeah how how long ago was it that you removed yourself from those seventeen meetings?
0: So I read the book in January of 2017. Well, I actually read the book over the course of a long period of time, but that's when I started. I sent that email probably in early February.
1: Okay. It's been a long time since then. Two years. Yeah, two years. How many of those people have circled back with you and say, Hey, is it time to revisit you joining the meeting?
0: Uh, None. I mean, I still see those people because they're part of my life. And when I choose to go to things, I do run into them. But no one has ever put any pressure on me to rejoin anything.
1: Isn't that interesting? So the reason I I ask these questions, Casey, is is for those of you listening, uh, pay attention to the stories that go on inside of our head. When we say, I really would love if I could just remove myself from that meeting or this committee or that obligation, that commitment. But then we have the but, dot, 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 <laughs> whatever that <laughs> whatever that story is. What is it? And do you know that that is the truth? Do you know for a fact that they are going to kick and scream if you try to remove yourself from those meetings? Do you know for a fact that they're going to suddenly become the accountability coach and follow up with you regularly to say, is it time for you to join again? Is it time? We just, we manufacture all these stories and it ends up, we feel it like it justifies us not taking action.
0: And you know what's funny? I think that we we tend to think we're more important than we really are to other people.
1: <laughs> you know, you, my mom always said I was special. You...
0: <laughs> and And you are, you know, and you're special in your own life and you're special to yourself and you should be your most important person. But to other people, you're probably not their most important person. And if you choose not to be part of their committee or their team or whatever it is they're asking of your time, it's probably not going to phase them for more than like 30 seconds.
1: Mm, yeah, I love Except that. Except
0: it eats away at your brain. It phases you. But if you just say no, you feel instantly better and they really
1: don't care. Yeah, I love that. I want to dive into the the color coding of the calendar. I love that you did <laughs> so that. You just had a great visual of... Yeah. Were you actually investing time in your priorities or spending your time on things that doesn't matter as much? You you mentioned all these rules. Mm -hmm. Did you find yourself struggling to stick to your own rules?
0: Yes, of course. (laughs) (laughs) I'm great at setting rules. I'm terrible at following rules. So (laughs) so yeah, I mean, the the color coding was a great um, test of accountability because it was it was so clear like i could have a bad day and i could look at my calendar and see two red meetings and i'd be like well that's why because i broke my own rule and then i'd have like a great week and i'd look and i'd see like wow i didn't break my rules once this whole week because the colors paint the picture right
2: mm-hmm.
0: so after going through this for several months on my own i realized that i'm really good at breaking my own rules and that's not working out so well so I took it one step further and I actually gave away my calendar. You know, even scheduling this event, uh, this this call, I, I gave that away. I have a person who manages my whole calendar. So that was life-changing for me because anytime anyone asks me for something that happens during my work day, I forward the email to my assistant. She knows the rules. She never breaks my rules. And if that means that she has to push the meeting out a week or a month or whatever it is to not violate the rule, she'll do it. And she does it without the guilt that I personally feel because I know the person.
1: That's right. That's right. So in a recent episode, if you if you are listening to this, it was probably within the last five. It was um, How Billionaires Set Goals. We did part one and part two. And yeah. part two, Jay Papazan talked about this very situation that sometimes it's, it's really challenging for us to say no to things on the calendar. But how can you... Uh, bring some purpose to living the principles of the one thing so that you do get the results that allow you to earn the right to bring on leverage so that you can have somebody who part of their 20% is managing your calendar. And for those of you that you're just going, there's no way I can hire that person. There's virtual assistants out there. You would be blown away at how affordable you can get leverage for less than 10 bucks an hour, and you can make it their one thing to own your calendar.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And even if you're not going to be at the point where you can afford anybody for a while, at least create the rules for yourself and then try not to break them. I mean, I think creating the rules is really the first hurdle. You need to get clear on how you're spending your time. Then you need to get clear on how you should be spending your time.
1: In February of this year, we were at uh, our big annual convention for Keller Williams and we did a few labs for the One Thing Planner. And we had one room where there was probably 100 people in the room just in. And we all had our planners and we were really seeing how each other used them. And the big aha for people was prior to using a paper planner, just using digital, you see everything. It was designed to track everything. Meetings with other people, all the stuff that you don't want to slip through the cracks. But the challenge is, it violates the number one lie of productivity. You treat everything like it matters equally. Right. Suddenly, when you have this blank slate and you get to say, okay... My one thing is whatever it is. How much time do I need this week for that? And you block it first when you're looking at a completely blank slate. You're placing that boulder in the middle of the stream so the water flows around it. You get all those boulders placed. And then when you open up your digital calendar and you're confronted with all the noise, you then realize, Okay, I said that Mondays from 8 to 12, I was going to be focusing on this. I've got these things. I need to erase those and replace those elsewhere. Yep,
0: absolutely. And so because I don't have the ability always to do my time block all in one section, because it's really up to my clients to pick when they want to talk to me, I use the color coding. So I know that I have at least seven hours worth of green
1: every single day. Yep. Yep. So let's, let's, let's recap. You went from your what you call your third of a life crisis, you know, having a baby, going back to work, realizing you are drowning, you are not sleeping. Yeah, discovering the one thing in the middle of the night, waking up your husband, and him not being super happy about that, but realizing that you got to start saying no. You remove Correct. yourself from all these meetings. You look at your calendar. You realize so much of your time is not invested in the things that matter most. You start using leverage to reinforce the models and systems that you're putting into place then something interesting happens. People started to notice. Talk talk about that.
0: Yes, absolutely. So um, it became clear at work pretty quickly because um, I actually started working only four days a week for a short period of time. I I actually work five days now, but for a while, I started taking one day out. So I was working 20% less and my productivity went up by 40%. And so... I think the first recognition happened at work because why are you in the office so many less hours of the week and you're producing so much w- more work? Like, how are you doing that? So, that was sort of the first thing. And then um, outside of the office, um, I was meeting with a mentor of mine on a regular basis during this time. And I was sort of telling her about the evolution of my life. Uh, as a result of reading this book, The One Thing. So we would have this monthly breakfast and every every time she would start by saying, so what new one things have you been doing lately? And how's The One Thing changed you this month? And it became like a major part of our discussion. And so she started telling other people that she knew about my success through this book. And that eventually evolved into her asking me to come and speak at one of her events about the book.
1: Mm-hmm. And d- describe the people that were in the room.
0: So, actually, when she first asked me, I said no.
1: <laughs> I was like, "It's um, not billable hours." I'm
0: like, "Sally, this is not my one thing." <laughs> so, um, so at first, I said no, but she she actually convinced me to do it. So, this was a um, an executive women leadership breakfast. There were 185 female professionals in, in the room. And the reason that I agreed to do it is because my mentor said to me, you completely changed your world by reading one book. And don't you think other people should know that so that they read that book too? And that's what got me. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. So I put together a PowerPoint. Basically, it was partially me telling my story, um, and the other part, me teaching the principles of the book, mostly focusing on um, the six lies, but also time blocking and the domino effect and things like that. And so um, that first presentation happened uh, in January of 2019. So it was almost two years to the day from the day that I found the book.
1: Yeah. And when when you finished talking, what happened?
0: Wow. Um, I had no idea the profound impact that this speech was going to have on my life. For one thing, putting it together was incredibly therapeutic. It made me go back and relive that experience and see for the first time what a major change I had made for my life. I mean, the things that I've accomplished in the last two years, the list is enormous. And it's not just professional, it's personal too. I mean, it's insane what I've accomplished, but I didn't really realize that until I got up there and started talking about it. Mm -hmm. And then after the presentation was over, I had a line of people. It actually took an hour and a half for me to speak to all the people who waited around after the presentation to talk to me about the book. And it was just unbelievably um, powerful and humbling. And it made me start thinking, you know, Maybe I was wrong. Maybe talking about the one thing is my one thing (laughs) because (laughs) there is a need out there. People need to hear this. And, you know, Jeff, I think what was so important about me telling my story is that this is a book that was written by two men intended for entrepreneurs, right? And I'm not a man, and I'm certainly, I wasn't at least at the time, an entrepreneur. I was a W-2 salary employee with a baby who thought she was going to quit her job. I thought I was going to become a stay-at-home mom. And I picked up this book, and I read the principles, and I applied them to my life, and I made dramatic changes. And one of the questions, or one of the comments, rather, that I got after that first speech was, I read this book, and I didn't think it was applicable to me. And I think I was wrong. And now I'm going to reread the book. And that was just, it made it all worthwhile to me.
1: Talk to that woman who's listening to this episode right now, who deep down she's going, I'm not an entrepreneur. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to achieve extraordinary results in my life. I'm just trying to have some me time.
0: Right. Absolutely, and what I would say to that woman, and what I did say to that woman is, "We all deserve to be in love with our lives. I am in love with my life. Every day I wake up, happy to be me, happy to get out of bed, happy to go to work, happy to spend time with my family. This book helped me get there, and we all deserve to feel that way.
1: I'm curious at this point. Uh, you're on you're, you're clearly committed to living this book, sharing this book? I'm curious because when we look at that, following that path of mastery, it's not a destination you arrive at. It's a journey you go down, which means that there are still things that you are struggling with and you will always struggle. It never ends. You're always on this continuous journey of improvement with the one thing. Where are you struggling most right now, Casey?
0: Wow, that is a great question. You know I still struggle with the same th- the same things that I struggled with before, even though I've learned some great uh things to help me get through it. I'm still a yes person at heart. I still have a tendency to put work first, even this morning I mean this morning, on a day that I was going to be speaking with you, I was getting my daughter ready for work, and I checked my email I had like Twenty minutes with her this morning. And I stopped and checked my email because I knew that there was something time sensitive. And I instantly regretted it because my home time is for focusing on my family. And so I still have a tendency to put work first, but I'm so aware of it now that I usually can stop myself pretty quickly and recover.
1: Mm. Well, what I love about you sharing that is I, I can easily imagine myself being in the shoes of that person that's listening to this right now and going, oh, she started living it. Her life just must be perfect. It's so great. But to (laughs) hear that you still struggle. Yeah, of course. there's, There's still the temptation. What are you not doing, Casey? That if you started doing immediately would make everything else easier or unnecessary.
0: Wow. There's probably a very simple fix. I probably should lock my cell phone in a place that I don't have the combination and only take it out of that place (laughs) and I'm leaving the house to go to work. And when I come home from work, I should probably lock it back in that safe and hand the key to my husband and tell him I shouldn't be allowed to look at my phone until the next morning because that really is my biggest distraction. I have clients all over the country who are buying and selling companies and these are There's a lot at stake here and they're time sensitive and they need my attention even when I'm at home and I worry about that. Mm -hmm. And um, the reality is, if I wait to respond to those emails, nothing's going to change. It'll all be fine. But in my head, I put this sense of urgency on it. And so I'm constantly checking things even when I'm telling myself I shouldn't be doing it. So I think the one thing I could do is hide my phone.
1: Real quick question. When you look at... Because what I'm hearing is it's actually the email that is the distraction. Absolutely. When is the time that you feel it's appropriate for you to be in your inbox?
0: So I actually am pretty good at it during the day because if I have a project that I'm working on, I'm very good. I've learned to focus solely on that project, not multitask, and I will minimize my email. The problem is really after hours. So here's, Um,
1: here's a question. When it is the appropriate time for you to be in your inbox, are you doing it on your cell phone or on your desktop? On my desktop.
0: I probably should never be looking at my email on my cell phone, come to think
1: of it. So what's the one thing you could do that would make not looking at email on your cell phone easier or unnecessary?
0: Well, to be honest with you, I never, ever once considered doing this. But now that we're talking, I guess I could just delete my email from my cell phone.
1: It sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? It does. And it's not to say that you couldn't access it because you could open a browser and log into the portal. Sure. But you're just, you're putting some friction there.
0: The thought of doing that is making my heart race right now, but in a good way. (laughs) You want to do it? Yes, I'm going to do it.
1: Where's your cell phone? It's right here. Why don't you grab it?
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) My CEO is not going to like this.
1: Well, he or she... I don't care. He or she doesn't get a choice
0: delete mail delete okay it's gone yeah! <laughs> thank you. Oh, you what a gift thank you oh i feel free
1: I, I just i just ask questions you're the one who did it <laughs> that was wonderful well and 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 here's the reality do you reserve the right to put it back on your phone sure but i kind of don't want to okay Now that's so interesting because you just went from, oh, this makes my heart race to I don't want to put it back.
0: You know, sometimes you need someone to give you permission, apparently. And I feel like that's what you just did. You gave me permission to do something that I already knew in my heart I should do. Yeah. What a gift.
1: How cool. (laughs) Well, Casey, I I just want to acknowledge you for um, coming on the show. Sharing your story because I know there are so many people out there that are still struggling. And for those of you who are listening to this, I mean, we're talking about less than two years. This is a very, very major. Uh, she's living a very different life than she was two years ago from thinking that she'd have to quit her job. And, and ultimately, would, what I heard you say, Casey, is you would have been living a life of regret. Yeah, absolutely. Right to one now where I'm hearing you say, I love. My life, I do. I love my life. Yeah, and it all just—it was one thing at a time, over time. And the other thing I'll share is um, what I heard you say, Casey. Is uh, you had no idea the impact that teaching that class would have. I've heard Gary Keller say so many times that the best class you take as a student is the one you teach. Oh, that is so true. It's it's it's, it's why when we look at what the journey looks like to mastering the one thing, we use time as an acronym. You move from treading where you're just keeping your head above water to implementing the models and systems to mastering them personally to empowering others. And regardless of your if you're in treading, even listening to this podcast, you know more than most of the people in your world when it comes to being purposeful with your time. How can you take what you already know, turn around, grab the hands of those who need some support and guide them empower them on this journey, whether it's sharing the podcast with them, whether it's starting little meetup groups in your area, whether it's just asking the people you care about, what's your one thing? Casey, what have you done to empower other people inside your organization?
0: Well, it's funny you should ask because when I was giving that first presentation to that group of women um, back in January, someone stood up and asked me if my firm had embraced the one thing. And I told them the honest truth, which was no. No. But there were some members um, in the audience from my firm. And when we got back to the office that afternoon, someone came to me and said, we want you to give your presentation to the firm. And so uh, just two weeks ago, I stood in front of a group of women from my firm and we have about 140 staff members here. So it's a pretty large organization, but all the females were invited to attend. And I gave them the same presentation. We bought the book for everybody. And oh my gosh, I mean, it's been amazing. Not only did I connect with a lot of my coworkers on a personal level because now they can relate to my story. We all have a story, they're all different, but we all have a struggle, you know? Um, and hearing how someone survives their struggle and climbs out of it and comes out on top or even better than when they started, it's empowering. And so I was able to give that gift not only to my coworkers, but to myself because it really makes me feel so good to give the presentation. You can't stand in a room full of people and give a speech if you're not going to live it.
1: Yeah, you have to right. live
0: it. That's and so right. um, so now my firm has embraced the one thing. In fact, I have the book sitting here on my desk. They, bought, they even bought me a copy as if I didn't already <laughs> have it. But I appreciated it. So maybe I'll give this one to someone else. But, and I've given this, the presentation now three times and I have a few more on the book. So you know, this whole community in this area, um, has embraced this and it's kind of spreading like wildfire and I'm just, I'm having so much fun getting to do this as like a side project. I'm out there promoting the book because I believe in it and I believe it can make it a difference in everyone's life, regardless of what your personal circumstances are, regardless of whether you own a company or you're a stay at home mom, it doesn't matter. Male, female, rich, poor, we all need these tools in order to be productive, effective, and happy.
1: Yeah, I love that. Well, Casey, again, I just want to say thank you to you for being an example of what it looks like to live the principles. Thank you. Well, there you have it, folks. My conversation with Casey Gosell. My takeaway for you is wherever you are, whatever you are dealing with in your life, understand that it. it doesn't have to be that way. You absolutely can make amazing changes and it doesn't have to take that long the path to getting everything you want is to get one thing at a time so identify the one thing you can do such that by doing it would make everything else easier or unnecessary and whack away at that lead domino until it falls and when you do that it automatically gets you back up to knock down the next domino and over time it truly leads to extraordinary results. If there's somebody that you think really needs to hear this, please share this with them. And if you're that person, thank the person who shared it with you. Then click the subscribe button. We got a lot more amazing episodes coming your way. When you subscribe, all future episodes will automatically be downloaded to your device. And if this has specifically touched you, please leave us, leave us a rating and review on your podcast player of choice. It helps us reach more people. We love seeing the feedback and it really means the world to us. And for those of you who are looking to start living this inside your organization, I would encourage you to go to thing.com, click on the training page. That's with the number one in the URL, the thing.com with the number one. Click on the training page. You will see some of our basics courses. These are free courses on the, the basic principles of the one thing in 15 minutes or less. I would encourage you to start there and explore some of the principles. You can have some of the people in your world go through them as well. And then you can figure out what that next step will be on your journey. With that, we look forward to being with you in the next episode.